0: Welcome to Colts Roundtable Live on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Picked off by the Colts, Kenny Moore, 30, 20, down the near sideline. Hand off to Taylor, right up the gut, and he's in there, touchdown! We're talking Colts and recapping the action. He's got it, touchdown! I-N-D-Y, a bomb, 62 yards! Now here's the voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor.
1: Good evening. Welcome to Colts Roundtable Live presented by Citizens Energy Group. Proud to be the Colts conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. I'm Matt Taylor tonight, and we're talking Colts football until 6.30 before Pacer basketball. Colts suffered another heartbreaking loss on Sunday falling to Philadelphia 17-16. to 16. They've lost their last two home games to the Commanders and Eagles by identical scores and under similar circumstances unable to rally after giving up touchdowns in the final 90 seconds of the game. Sunday was a bit of a microcosm of the season for the Colts. The defense had to shoulder a big load for much of the game, and a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter could not be held. The defense was unable to finish, and the offense missed chance after chance to put the game away. Colts got off to a fast start. They scored a touchdown on their first drive of the game, marking the first time all season the Colts scored points on their opening possession of a game. They led 10-3 to at halftime and had the Eagles on the ropes However, the third quarter was filled with missed chances. On the first play of the second half, Unique Ngakwe strip-sacked Jalen Hurts, and the Colts recovered just outside of the red zone. The other two drives for the Colts in the third quarter started at their own 47 and own 45, but the Colts could only muster three points on those drives. After the Eagles cut the lead to 13-10 to in the fourth quarter, the Colts drove the ball to the Eagles' five-yard line and faced first and goal with under six minutes to play, but instead of going up two scores late in the game, the colts had to settle for a field goal and led 16 to 10 with just over four and a half minutes to play the eagles drove the field and picked up a fourth and two at the nine yard line with a quarterback scramble by jalen hurts and then he scored on third and goal from the seven when the seas parted in front of him and he went into the end zone untouched the colts got the ball back with just over a minute to play but couldn't get into field goal range before time expired the colts defense played very well holding the eagles to a season-low 17 points But it wasn't enough as Philadelphia overcame a fourth-quarter double-digit deficit for the first time since 2010. The Colts' offense was held to under 20 points for the seventh time this season. They suffered four sacks and seven tackles for loss. And the Colts are now 4-6-1 on the season with six games to play and on the outside looking in on the AFC playoff picture. We're loaded with Colts talk as always tonight. Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights will join me later on discussing that tough loss to the Eagles and, of course, a look ahead to the final month and a half of the season, six games to play for the Colts. We're also taking your questions and comments as we normally do. If you have those, tweet them in tonight using hashtag ColtsRoundtable, and we'll also take a few of them right now on segment one, right out of the gate with interim head coach Jeff Saturday, who joins us here in the radio studio on the first segment tonight, brought to you by Citizens Energy Group. Jeff, really tough game on Sunday, no doubt about that. After watching the tape again today, what did the game boil down to after watching things back again this afternoon? I
2: just missed opportunities. You know, when you when you turn it back on, there were, um, you know, there 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 are so many plays out there to be had and to be made. And I think, uh, you know, I talked to the guys post game in the locker room just about. Execution and it, what what differentiates you know teams that are nine and one and 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 teams that are below five hundred or you know the margin is very small yeah. and it's it's about execution in moments of games and so uh, we had a lot of plays that could be made whether it was whether it was a you know penalties whether it was missed assignments whether it was a drop whether it was a missed field goal you know there are a number of different things that you go through and say had that been different it's a completely different game and that, so we've practiced really well mm-hmm. and it's being able to trans you know transition from the practice field to the game field and make sure that we understand listen here's the it's going to be simple it's going to be fast but execution is mm-hmm. ultimately the key uh, and we just didn't we didn't execute in in, in enough yeah. plays
1: and you've been part of everything as a player you've been part of games like last week in Las Vegas and uh certainly games like uh Sunday against the Philadelphia Eagles what was your message to the guys i mean you know that they they fought their tails off but at yeah. the end of the day right there's there there are no moral victories in the nfl no
2: exactly and and listen no, no, nobody in there felt good oh man we you know that 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 doesn't exist in the nfl right and and i told them we have the right guys in this locker room like you you trust each other other the effort has been just insanely good like I, I the way they practiced the way they hit the field on Sunday the way they played all four quarters there's never there is never an effort issue and as I I mean it, it's it's I appreciate the fact there are no loafs, right? I mean, when you watch the tape, there's nobody who's who are taking plays off or not putting in what they're supposed to be doing. Again, there there is a fine line of making sure that you execute just your job and don't try to overdo and overplay because these guys, they care that much. And mm-hmm. so um, definitely appreciative of, of the effort that the guys put out there. Again, um, as I looked at the game even this morning, and we're going through it as a staff, Man, with a minute 20 and a timeout uh, down, you know, down one point, right. I still there, there, there was no part of that game that I felt like we were outplayed. Yeah. Um, you know, we just didn't do enough to, to make it. And so ultimately you do get outplayed because you, you don't make enough plays to win in the end. And yeah. so um, Philly did and we didn't.
1: Well, Jonathan Taylor had 47 rushing yards in that first drive of the game, and then obviously tough sledding after that. Averaged only 2.3 per carry the rest of the game after yeah. the first drive. What made it difficult to run the ball against Philadelphia after that opening series? Yeah, they had
2: a, they had a, a they ran a bunch of eight man and, and plus boxes, right? So they're bringing guys down. So there's you know there's there it's either a difficult block at the second level or a free hat. Um, and 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 again, you know they did a really nice job of of, um, of coming down late in late in the in the in the play clock. So, you know, as the play clock's coming down, they did a nice job of getting down there. And again, when there were plays to be made, um, you know, we we didn't execute. So, there were things that there were answers that we had uh we're, you know, we're not going to get away. We understand how our offense is going to run through. We're not going to get away from you're not going to scare us out of running the football. You can't be. Yeah. And again, I know 2.8 yards doesn't sound, you know, like you want to keep going, but the reality is if you looked at Washington the week before, Sure. there was a lot of, you know, three-yard type carry. So you understand the way defenses play you. It's not always going to be big runs. But if you do split one, it's going to be enormous. it be explosive play. And if you hit something behind it, they're going to be um, exposed as well. But, it, again, it's about executing when those moments happen and those plays are
1: allowed, uh, and we just didn't make enough. That's interim coach Jeff Saturday with us tonight on Colts Roundtable Live. The defense – you hold the Eagles to 17 points. That's a season low for them. That That's a winning number yes. by NFL standards, right? So how do you rate the overall defensive game when you, you put up a great number, but at the end of the day – you just have to do what you have to do that day to win the game. Yeah, right? no,
2: I think from that from that perspective, that's a winning performance, right? When you if if you stacked up uh, and told me, hey, you're, you're, they're going to hold them to seventeen points, right? I would have told you we're going to win, right? So yeah, it, it, and, and and people always go, well, you know, it's always the defensive job to give up fewer. I, I get it, and and um, but they they did a they did a a fantastic job, uh, Gus and his staff about making sure the guys played fast. It was a simple play. I mean, you think three of the guys didn't practice because mm-hmm. of the illness and they still came out and were able to execute I thought they gave uh, Philly all that they wanted um, and, and you know they're still disappointed because they gave up a touchdown late and and you know we had to lead and didn't close it out but but football is three phases and all three phases have to step up and do what they have to do to execute and so I think that the defense gave us a chance to win we didn't execute in the other two phases and mm-hmm. that's where we have to improve if we want to beat teams like Philly
1: all right let's go to a few fan questions here before we wrap up if again if you you have a question for interim head coach Jeff Saturday tonight and every Monday night on Colts Roundtable Live tweeted in using hashtag Colts Roundtable. Jared is up first tonight. Coach, after two games in for you, is the head coaching opportunity what you thought it was going to be when you agreed to, to take the job?
2: Yeah, no, I, yeah, I I came in eyes wide open. I understood where we were as a football team and the struggles uh, and the strengths of it. And um, yeah, felt felt fully prepared to be able to take on the challenge I have I have truly enjoyed my time uh it, it has been an absolute blast going in the locker room with the guys and being you know, with the staff everybody has been um b- been better than I deserve and so I have I have greatly appreciated mm-hmm. everybody the effort the energy the excitement um and so no I, I have uh there there has been there has been no part of this where I have been uh second guessing it in the least yeah yeah
1: no doubt about that. Uh, let's go to Bruce. Uh, I think you talked about this with the media earlier today as well. Why did we take Jonathan Taylor out of the game? On the final drive on offense, down by one point.
2: Yeah, so uh, we we knew going in on a, in a two-minute series. We had practiced uh, uh, Jackson in those scenari- scenarios, and mm-hmm. so we understood kind of the, kind of the flow of the game. And and um, you know, from from Scotty Montgomery's perspective, who's a running backs coach, you know, you you know how many touches JT may have gotten at that point. You, you and you never know exactly, uh, but you kind of know what that was all going to look like. But again, uh, felt very comfortable. With with, uh, with with Deion going in and, you know, going to try to make the plays. And, right. and, again, everybody has a role. And, and you know, whatever the role is, that's what we're going to ask the players to go execute. And, uh, unfortunately, as, as as an offense, we didn't get it done that last two-minute drive.
1: That's interim head coach Jeff Saturday with us, Colts Roundtable, live tweeting your questions, as always, to the show using hashtag ColtsRoundtable. Nick is up next. What did you make of our pass rush, Coach? We, were we playing contain on the outside to make sure Hertz didn't beat us more than he did with his rushing ability.
2: Yeah, no, you, you, you I mean rush lane integrity is vital when you're playing against Hertz, and so you know it's not going to be a, a free for all, um, you know, for for uh, you as you would get prepared for like a stationary quarterback. Right. So, in um, as much as they use quarterback draw and quarterback run and even quarterback lead, um, you can't just you know pin your ears back and go because they're not scared on a third and six to have a QB draw. So, um, I, I thought again, our defense did a really nice job, whether it be stunts up front or movement up front to make sure we tried to trap him in uh, and keep him in the pocket and that if he was going to try to get us with his legs rally and tackle. And again, that's a big man. Um, you, know, you, you, you know, he's a strong runner and a very physical runner if he needs uh, needs to be. And then he threatens you with his arm as well. So thought the defense had a good plan. They executed it, got enough pressure on him, got a strip sack, obviously, mm-hmm. in the first play of the second half, which is enormous. Um, and so I thought in moments where they could. They did a good job, but some of it you have to limit
1: just for, you know, you don't want to give a big play um, as opposed to keeping somebody in there for a two- or three-yard game. Yeah. All right, last one from the fans. Jeff is asking, how are defenders supposed to play the ball and the man in the situation that Zaire Franklin found himself in when he was flagged for pass interference? I think he's asking... What what's the proper technique? How are they being coached?
2: Yeah, so um, for for Z to get out in that and you know the little wheel route and he's he's releasing, so um, he wants to stay underneath him, just where he was. But I think I think as Z was approaching, he thought the ball was going to be thrown deeper, right. so he kind of panicked a bit and just decided instead of giving up six, he was going to tackle him. But really, he was in. If he would have stayed in phase and turned his head back. He really could have made a, an attempt on the ball. Um, much easier said than done, but but you know I, I think he he thought he was beaten worse than he really was. He has right. tremendous speed, made up for it. Was It was truly in phase, but how you're taught is to turn and hand up, right? Try to use the sideline or the boundary as, as a weapon as well, but uh, the guy had already passed him, so he was in true chase mode. So to reach up or look back at that last second, again, though, yeah, the reality is in the NFL, sometimes it doesn't work out that way, and if you are burned and you mm-hmm. feel like it's going to be a B6, tackle him and let your defense try to hold him to three, which right. ultimately, you know, that's what you got to do.
1: All right, the Steelers are next. They're having a tough season. They're th- Um, They are in danger of suffering their first losing season since the 2003 season. That's just how good they've been as a franchise, right? Uh, The Colts have lost seven straight games to Pittsburgh. Uh, Interesting note here, the last time the Colts beat the Steelers, 2008, Jeff Saturday was the starting center in that game for the Colts. Uh, so what do you see from the Steelers when you examine them here early in the week going into this Monday night game?
2: Yeah, obviously, listen, this is, this is one of the better defenses in the league, and, and everybody knows that that hasn't changed in, in the decades that you're talking about of yeah. how good they are. Right. Their offense started slow this year, actually the last two weeks. Or three weeks, maybe now their their offense has really picked it up. They're starting to find form with a rookie quarterback, obviously Kenny Pickett. Uh, they have explosive wide receivers that can make plays and yards after catch. They they can be special. Um, and their offensive line gets gets uh, uh, gets attacked quite a bit, but they're much better pass blockers than people give them credit for. A very good offensive line coach, and so they understand. Uh, with, with Harris being at a running back, if they give him a small gap, he can make you pay. So uh, th- this is no small task. We know what's what's at stake and what's it in, in front of us, and, and we got to go out and execute again. Um, you know, we, we need to go play our style of football. Whoever the opponent is, uh, you know, we, we can't we can't worry about the decal. We got to go focus on ourselves, get better this week of practice, and then hopefully come out and execute on Monday night.
1: All right, that's interim head coach Jeff Saturday with us tonight on Colts Roundtable Live. Jeff, thanks as always for the time. We really appreciate it. Have a great week and happy Thanksgiving.
2: Appreciate you. Happy Thanksgiving.
1: That's our conversation tonight with interim head coach Jeff Saturday here on Colts Roundtable Live, brought to you by Citizens Energy Group. Save at home on monthly bills when you conserve water and energy. For money-saving tips, always visit citizensenergygroup.com. When we come back, we're going to welcome in Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights and go over the tail of the tape and discuss what the film showed for the Colts against the Eagles. We're coming back with that in just a moment here on Roundtable Live with you until 6.30 tonight before the Pacers take on the magic. We're back in a moment here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
0: Welcome back to Colts Roundtable Live on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Here's Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts.
1: Welcome back. Colts Roundtable Live, 93.5, 107.5. The fan brought to you tonight by Citizens Energy Group. Proud to be the Colts conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. Tonight's show is also brought to you by Caesars and Pick 6. It's free to play all season long. Answer six predictive questions about the game every week for a chance to win great Colts prizes must be 21 or older to play. It's time now to welcome in the former Colts, Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights, here on the show tonight. Colts Roundtable Live, and we always lead off with uh, the fellas on their tail of the tape, their big takeaways from watching the film again today. Joe, welcome to the show tonight. What stood out to you about your tail of the tape as the Colts come up short, losing uh, in excruciating fashion, 17-16 against the Eagles on Sunday?
3: Boy, it was excruciating. I know I always talk about the 24-hour rule and how we got to operate as a player, but I'm having a hard time getting over this one, Matt, because when you dominate a game and lead it from start to finish but come up short at the end, it's just really hard. And the way the game started with our offense – moving right down the field, running the ball, I kind of felt like, boy, are we really going to have a day offensively? But unfortunately, we really couldn't get much going after that first drive. And when I look back at this game this morning and watch the film, I really felt like we lost it offensively in that middle third quarter part, right? They have the fumble, we go up 13 to three, then we hold them on fourth down and we have a first and 10 almost at the 50, but we give up a sack on the first down, Pittman gets a hold, we gotta punt it away, we get the ball back and now we're driving. We have first and 10 on the Eagle 27. And then we have a missed assignment. Mo Alley and Pittman don't know who's blocking who. We get a minus four run. Then we give up another sack. And if you remember, we missed that field goal. And I really felt like those two chances to leave points on the board, and then you couple that when we had first and goal on the five. And if you get in the end zone there, you're up 10 and you're going to win the ball game. I felt like those three missed opportunities on offense were really what cost us in the end, because you knew Philly was going to score, especially as good as their offense is when they went tempo. And I kept thinking, we got to get to 20 points, we got to get to 20 points, and offensively, we just didn't get there yesterday. It was just so
4: gut-wrenching yesterday and gut-wrenching this morning watching it. It was very disappointing to me because I honestly believed that we had Philly right where we needed them in terms of schedule, in terms of what has happened in the last two weeks. I thought it was a perfect setting, and actually, at the end of three quarters, I thought we had them right where we wanted them to go. Uh, but basically, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it really came down to two sequences, uh, and they're the most critical sequences of the game. They're the most important part of the game. I've talked about that for ten years since I've been back, and that's red zone offense and red zone defense. And honestly, what happens in the last six minutes. Is basically the Colts have a first and goal, and they fail miserably on three downs, and have to settle for a field goal. And then on the other end of it, you know, the basically the Eagles have a first and goal, and uh, you know they have the third and seven walk in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I mean, when it was all said and done, you know it's you know that's that's seventeen sixteen. That that it's the seven to three in those final two sequences that really won the game, which was a pretty evenly matched game when you look at total statistics. I I think what I found, though, is, you know, we basically, after a good day on offense versus, and I warned us of this, a putrid Raiders defense, we really regressed right back to the means. I mean, the last 54 minutes of the game, Jonathan Taylor gained 25 yards. We couldn't run it again. We couldn't protect it. We stunk it up with penalties and we couldn't score points. And that's, you know, we'll get into that as we go on. But that was my take from an offensive standpoint. Defensively, I thought we did a lot of good things, but you've got to play nine innings. You can't play eight. And basically, at the end of the day, you do have to stop them in the fourth quarter. We've been very good at that, but we did not. We melted down at the end, we couldn't get it done. Um, the third and seven call, I, I, I just can't defend it. I, I just think it's one of the most head-scratching defensive calls, um, certainly of the season. I mean, you absolutely cannot call a defense that allows that guy to walk into the end zone. There's just no way. If, you, if you're going to force him to throw outside, by that point in time, Gilmore and Faison basically had their receivers uh, close, make them throw it outside, but never, ever let them have a walk-in like that you know and, and and I hear a lot about how the defense played and they did do a lot of good things but in the end we had a young coach when I worked for Marcha Broda and we came off a 13 to 10 loss and the young coach said you know we played good enough on defense to win and marcha Broda said if you'd have played good enough to win we would have won yeah so you know in the end the, the overall statistics are pretty balanced but we lost three vital statistics red zone penalties and fourth
1: quarter. And the Colts had a takeaway on Sunday as well. That was a fumble recovery by Grover Stewart. That means Colts fans can score a free appetizer tonight at B-Dubs through this Wednesday at participating Indianapolis locations. See colts.com slash B-W-W for details. All right, that's the tale of the tape here on Colts Roundtable Live with Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights. When we come back, We're going to discuss some hard truths surrounding this Colts team. They're 4-6-1, six six games left. Right now, the Colts are on the outside looking in on the playoff picture. Do we have definitive answers on this Colts team after 11 games? Where can they improve? We'll talk about all of that when we come back here on Colts Roundtable Live here on the home of the Colts, 93.5 and 107.5, the fan.
0: This is Roundtable Live, a full hour dedicated to Colts football. Here again is Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts.
1: We're back. Colts Roundtable Live returns. It's presented by Citizens Energy Group. Proud to be the Colts conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips at CitizensEnergyGroup.com. Tonight's show is also brought to you by Meyer, the official super center of the Indianapolis Colts and proud sponsor of hundreds of local sports teams across the Midwest. I'm Matt Taylor with Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights with you until 6.30 tonight here on 93.5 and 107.5. The fan ahead of Pacer Basketball, the Blue and Gold take on the Orlando Magic tonight. Let's talk about some hard truths. We teased that on the last segment as the Colts now have played 11 games, 4, 6, and 1. Nearly two-thirds of the season is in the books. Do we have concrete conclusions on the Colts at this point? I want to highlight a few specific areas and talk about the offense, Rick, because the Colts are scoring only about 15 points per game. They scored a touchdown on the first drive of the game. But then the Colts found it very difficult to move the ball. Uh, The Colts let some very major chances slip through their fingers. They led by 10 points going into the fourth quarter, but they could have used that third quarter to really blow the Eagles out because the Colts had three drives in that third quarter. They started the plus 22, their own 47, and their own 45, and the Colts scored just three points on those possessions in the third quarter. They were one for three inside the red zone. Uh, You talked about it. They had that first and goal late in the game at the five-yard line, had to settle for a field goal, took a sack on third down. So, Rick, the only thing consistent about this Colts offense is its inconsistency on the season. Is that a hard truth through 11 games for the Colts?
4: Oh, it's it's an absolute hard truth. And the hard statistics – which matter after 11 games, Joel will tell you that They might not matter after four games, but they matter. You know, you're, you're averaging 15, seven, that's 31 or 32, you know, depending on what happens tonight, that's last in the league. You're 30th in the red zone. So you're not punching it in. And I think the two biggest statistics that are absolutely killing us. And I'll elaborate is we're 25th in the league on the rush and 31 in sacks. So, you know, what I see week after week is the inability to run the football and then all of a sudden behind an account and you can't protect the passer. You know, again, again like I said, 31st in the league in sacks. We average 3.6 a game. And I, and, and I said this all, all season long, and it hasn't changed with the coaching change. We are behind the count on our running game. We just double-sync. The, the Bear defense has come back into the league. And our offensive staff is a year behind. We are trying to play mash ball. Mash ball is zone blocking, wedge blocking, you know, trying to pump the ball. And when they played that over defense in the first quarter, our, our offensive line did a good job. It's not all on them. We have real schematic issues. When, when they were playing that over, our guys were climbing up. They were getting up on them. And we drove it right down their throat. The minute they said no, the, the Eagles adjusted immediately. We're going to the double sink. All of a sudden, the zone, the zone runs are dead. We have no lead plays. We refuse to address it. We can't gap. You either mash block or you gap block. What we can't do is gap block. We tried a couple power O's to the weak side, and they stuffed those because we're not good. We have no lead plays off tackle, So we really are not playing with a full deck from a strategic standpoint And obviously the coaching change didn't matter on that. And then to me, the other issue is we know we have a temporary liability at left tackle. I think the kid will be good as a sophomore. He'll be bigger. He'll be more experienced. We got a liability at right guard. Our top guys are not protecting as well as they should, but we have two liabilities that, you know, and yet we leave that left tackle on an Island 90% of the time to me. Again, That is strategic, and you're not going to get out of it with Ryan. I mean, it's not like you have a Hurts who can get you out of a bad play or who can stretch the defense with zone run-type deals. You've got a stationary quarterback, so you have to have a brilliant running game, a diverse running game, and you have to protect liabilities in terms of pass protection. So, you know, I think we're way behind the count. I don't know if we have time to fix it.
3: Yeah, to to play off a coach, I do think that the theme for this year has been inconsistency. And to, to add a little bit of color to his comments about the run game, the first drive of the game, we were going. They were in that over defense. We kept them on the field. We had some tempo. When we went back to the huddle and we're huddling, and when we brought in our two tight ends to try to block, that didn't work at all. And really, our tight ends have been a huge liability blocking all year. When we got in the third quarter and we had that first and 10 on the 27, it was a clear missed assignment that Mo Alley was involved in. Minus four yards, negative play. The, the inability of our tight ends to, one, block at the point of attack, two, have a tight end in the backfield like a Jack Doyle that can run a lead, that's really killed us all year. So when have we we've been at our best running the ball? When we're really spread out and you got a light box, a six box, or when we've gone tempo and we've allowed our O-line to kind of you know, build some momentum and get that defensive line tired. And that's, to me, is really the only time we've been able to run the ball all year. And then in pass pro, you know clearly we had issues yesterday. And what I didn't like, kind of like Coach talked about, the two key plays of the game at the very end for us, third down on the five yard line, Reddick gets a sack on Ryman, Ryman's one on one. Third down on that last drive of the game, Brandon Graham bull rushes him into the quarterback. You've got to give some help to the guy. It's hard to block these defensive ends, these freaks in the NFL one-on-one, even if you're a 7, 10-year veteran, let alone a rookie. And I do think not giving these guys help is almost some hubris uh, from our offensive line coaching, from the play calling, whoever it's got to be. And then the other thing that really disappointed me yesterday was the penalties. Eight penalties for 95 yards. Again, we won the turnover battle, which was a key of mine. We lost the red zone battle. But too many penalties, these negative penalties that offensively, we don't have enough firepower to overcome those. And those really were some drive killers, the holds. The illegal man downfield, when we had a great schematic play on that tight end screen to the backside and Ryman just drifted downfield, those really are inexcusable, and that really killed our offensive production yesterday.
1: You talk about the protection and and the need to help, Joe. Does that come from – where does that need to come from? Is it tight end help? Is it running back help? Where does it need to come from in terms of helping out a young player like Ryman at left tackle?
3: What I always liked is what we used to do with Jack Doyle. We used to leave him in for a second or two. And it's not even a chip block, but you almost solidify for a second or two, let the lineman get his hands on him, and then you still can release out into a route you know, and be a safety valve for four or five yards. Or you just go max protect, and you send two, three guys downfield and, and try to get it there. But we haven't had a lot of variation, um, kind of like in the run game in terms of our pass protection schemes. But bottom line, when you got a rookie out there that's struggling and had some penalties, don't make him go one-on-one at the end of the game to win the game, right? Make make somebody else do something else. And I felt like we left him on an island there, and, and obviously that uh, results weren't good.
1: Yeah, no doubt about that. We're talking about some hard truths Here on Colts Roundtable Live tonight, 93.5 and 107.5. The fan, that's Joe Wright's Rick Venturi on the horn. I'm Matt Taylor. Let's talk about hard truth number two. The offensive line didn't play well uh, as it did certainly the week before last against the Raiders, allowing four sacks, including two by Bernard Ryman, who gave them up on the last two drives of the game. The Eagles had seven tackles for loss on defense. And as we said, Jonathan Taylor ran the ball very well in that first series, but then, Philly adjusted, and Taylor in the rushing game had just 35 yards on the next 15 carries, an average just 2.3 yards per carry for the remainder of the game. Joe, the offensive line, it's just regressed compared to years past. Is, is that a hard truth for this team after 11 games?
3: I think so, and I think – there's a lot of different factors that come into that. You know, last year we had a dynamic quarterback that would pull the ball and he'd be able to run the ball. We don't have that this year. So that element is lost in terms of a running lane. We also lost Jack Doyle, who was the best blocker in the NFL from a Y position. So right now you're minus two big things going into the season, right, if that makes sense. And then Glowinski moves on at right guard and you have a new left tackle. So you're minus two big schematic things. You have two new guys in there, Ryman and Fry, who, again, I think will be good with time. They're still growing. And then Coach has talked about a little bit schematically. When we try to go big and when we have two tight ends on the field and mash people and just move them, it's just not working. We saw that yesterday. It's hard to move 350-pound Linval Joseph and 330-pound Sue without any sort of creativity and or tempo in the run game. And I think we really saw that in quarters two through four yesterday.
4: I think it's a hard truth. I think everything Joe said is correct, uh, and I'm going to be a broken record. This is a little bit of redundancy from the, you know, our first topic. It, 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 To me, it's a combination of issues in the offensive line. I think first of all, we do not help them schematically on the running game. We are, you know, he, he talked about it. We have no interior blocker. We refuse to go out and get a fullback who you can find in a Walmart parking lot. We don't have an interior blocker at tight end. So we have no diversity inside. Everything is a zone run. Well, do you think they don't watch films on the other side? And the bear defense was built to stop zone running game. It just happens that the 222 defense of the year, I can't pick up a cape at any level when I don't see that defense. So we have schematic issues. Then we have talent liabilities. We have a liability at left tackle until he grows up. We have a liability at right guard. They are not talented enough yet. That's not to say they can't be, but they're not talented enough yet. But I'm be, I'm like Joe. I mean, at some point, you have to protect those guys schematically, even if it means getting less people out. I remember Belichick talking about coming in to play the, the Colts when the Colts were in their heyday with Freeney and Mathis, and he said to me, I will not let those two guys beat me. If I've got a chip and hold on them, all day long see that but to me that's a tactical approach that would help those guys if you don't help them you're going to commit suicide I mean you're just committing suicide if you think you can overcome that so you know and then I think the other thing is we had you know and this happens all the time the perception and reality in the NFL from the media and, and people is absolutely crazy and I I did say this a hundred times this week we got a real false sense of security against the Raiders the Raiders are the worst defensive coach team and the worst talent on defense that you will see in this league. And so we came out of there thinking that we had it fixed. Immediately you get into a well-coached defense that is talented, totally different. All right, I let's... feel bad for Jonathan because he is a great player and he's a, and he's a lot better player than these numbers. Yeah.
1: All right, let's talk about another hard truth. Again, with Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights, I'm Matt Taylor. Let's talk about the defense because they sacked Jalen Hurts three times, but at times – he had all day to throw and make some game-changing plays. quitty Pay didn't play; uh, he was he's battling an ankle injury. Tyquan Lewis, as we know, he's on IR for the remainder of the season. DeForest Buckner still dealing with the high level of double teams. Unique Ngakwe had his best game as a Colt, but his strip sack came when the Eagles chose to double team Grover Stewart and left him backside one-on-one. So, Rick, I'll tee it up to you that the pass rush this season for the Colts it, it just doesn't have as much depth as it needs to in order for the defense to go from good to great. Is that statement, is that a hard truth for this team after 11 games?
4: That's a real hard truth in my opinion. And, you know, I go back to training camp, and one of the thoughts that I had coming out of training camp, and I, I like I said, I thought this team was a real contender. I, I honestly did. But one of the things that I thought was could be a problem, now could be because if we stayed healthy it wouldn't be, Is I thought that the drop off between our top five defensive linemen, you know, with Lewis in the rotation in the top five, I thought the drop off was drastic in preseason. I mean, we're going to stop anybody, to be honest with you, and a lot of those guys are playing, uh, playing in the games today. And if you don't have great speed along the line against this guy, you're 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 going to have trouble. Now also there's times that Hurts is going to make great plays. I mean, the 23-yard run is just a great athlete making a great play. I don't even criticize the defense for that. Do I criticize them for the third and seven call? You bet, but not for great runs like that. But I think the loss of Lewis and Pay is a killer, really. I think Dale was playing better. I thought he played with a little discipline. But obviously this isn't a great pass rush team. I don't think we do anything to help him. We very seldom ever blitz. We're a, what I call a one front team. It's over, over, over. I don't think we do a good job at all of moving Buckner around and creating the matchups for him inside. I, 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 he very seldom lined up on Samuala and I thought he was their weakest lineman last week. And I, they they always had him on the other side. I, I, for the life of me, I don't understand that. So yeah, we, we got a lot of issues, but we're, We are not a dynamic rush team, that's for sure.
3: Yeah, and I would agree with Coach. We have some talent for sure, but the depth is really hurting. Obviously, like you talked about, Matt, with the injuries. You know, I always thought as an offensive lineman, it was hard to block guys if you didn't exactly know where they were going to be every snap. And you know the teams that do these walk-arounds where you got one or two guys, we would call it the spinner, and they're up there walking around, moving pre-snap, jumping from side to side. I'd like for us to see do a little bit more of that dynamically just to get some guys in some different rush lanes and switch it up. Now, I know against Hurts, you want to keep him in the cup, and maybe that's not the game to do it. But to Coach's point, we've been pretty vanilla all year in terms of what we've rushed with four men and not running any sort of blitzes. But I think the other thing, too, is you know Philly and Hurts they got a running quarterback very athletic as the game went on he had more and more time in the pocket to run around there as our defensive line got fatigued on the flip side as we got deeper and deeper into the game their guys were fresher and fresher because well one we hadn't had as many snaps but two you know Matt Ryan was staying in the pocket every time and i think that difference kind of showed up especially in the fourth quarter we got less and less pressure as the game went they got more and more pressure as the game went on
1: Yep, no doubt about that. That's a look at some of the hard truths surrounding this uh, Colts team after their 17-16 to loss to the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday with Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights. I'm Matt Taylor. Coming up, we're going to take your questions. The mailbag is open. Send in your thoughts and your comments on Twitter using hashtag ColtsRoundtable, and we'll take a few of those when we come back on the other side. You're listening to Colts Roundtable Live before the Pacers take on the magic tonight here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
0: We're back in a moment. <laughs> Welcome back to Colts Roundtable Live on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. For more Colts Breakdown, here's Matt Taylor the voice of the Colts
1: We're back again on Colts Roundtable Live tonight, brought to you by Citizens Energy Group. Proud to be the Colts conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. Tonight's show is also brought to you by EverStream. Indy's business-only fiber network. Faster fiber and better business with Rick Venturi and Joe Reitz. I'm Matt Taylor with you until 6.30 tonight, taking you up to the Pacer pregame. The Pacers take on the Orlando Magic tonight. It's time now for the mailbag segment, talking Colts football. If you have a thought or comment on the Colts, tweet it in tonight and every Monday night using hashtag ColtsRoundTable. Sean is up first. Joe, how much of our running game is on Jonathan Taylor, he's asking. Is he not running the same way as he did
3: last year? And I would say very little. To me, Taylor still looks the same explosiveness, running hard. My only gripe with him would be the fumbles. He had one yesterday. You know, he's had a yeah, couple three of the last couple the games. Yeah. But to boil it down, I would really sum up why our running game struggled into four parts. One, your big three, and I'm talking about Nelson, Kelly, and Smith have not played at the same level they've had the year before. Two, you've got new guys and you've had rotating guys in at left tackle and right guard that have been liabilities throughout the year. Three, schematically, I think we've continued to just run zone and zone and wedge blocking, and we haven't really been dynamic or creative in what we've done, but I think that also leads into my fourth and that we've really got little to no production from our tight ends. And I've been talking about it all year, but we don't have a fullback that can run a lead play. Jack Doyle was arguably the best blocker in the NFL last year, and he did so much. And this year, you know, those guys are getting stood up by safeties, or we got missed assignments, or we're not blocking. And so to me, if your tight ends aren't going to block, Don't put two tight ends on the field to run the ball. Put four wide receivers on the field. Spread it out. Get a light box. And then give the ball to Jonathan Taylor. That's when we've had the most success this year, when we've been super spread out or when we've gone tempo from the running game. But again, I think it's all those other factors, not JT, that has led to the lack of his production.
1: All right, let's go back to the mailbag again. Tweet in your questions tonight and every Monday night. For the fellas, Rick Venturi and Joe Reitz using hashtag Colts Roundtable. Sarah is asking Rick, what led to the breakdown on defense at the end of the game. Why was the lane so big for Jalen Hurts at quarterback to run the quarterback draw for a touchdown? I know, Rick, you're still hot about this.
4: Yeah, you know, and just tell her for me, I can't get it out of my head. I can't (laughs) spit it out. That's the play I can't spit out. And you know me by now. If I haven't talked about it in my game plan thinking and talked about it in the podcast or talked about it on the air as we were going through the game, I'm not going to second guess it after the game, but I knew doggone well, and I said it all week long that when you're in the red zone, particularly the low red zone, goal to go, you have to treat Hertz as a running back. He is not a true quarterback. You can't play conventionally there. And on the first two downs, we did, but you you have to play, you have to play one of three things against him and nothing else. One, you have to play a loaded box, and that means everybody close to the line of scrimmage. We did it on second down, actually. We, we forced a loss, which was probably the worst thing that could happen to us because then our guys outsmarted themselves and called a pass defense. But basically, you have one of three ways to go. You load the box with like a 46 Mabel where everybody is close. You cut off the edges, nothing inside, or you play a red one, and the, the who normally is the rat that guy isn't a spy but he's right on the line of scrimmage right behind your defensive tackles and he's and he his whole responsibility is the quarterback period or and what I was calling for was zero blitz because if it's zero blitz you're gonna force him because there's always an, that that play is kind of that quarterback draw also is a form of an RPO I mean they have a pass route tied in with it basically a fade on the outside and a quick stick to the to the left side. But we want him to do that. But at that stage in the game, by then, basically, Faison had Smith covered all day long, and, and basically Gilmore had, had A.J. Brown covered. So I want to force that throw outside. By letting him walk in, we played what we, what is called a red four, which is a coverage so both linebackers, okay, okay, and Franklin, they went out to number three. They didn't even look inside. I mean, that Miss Sherry could have run that thing inside, much less Jalen Hurts. I mean, to me, in my world, okay, in my world, that is a call. There's seven wonders of the world. That's the eighth wonder right there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, certainly a disappointing way for the Colts to come up short at home, especially trying to capitalize a win for Jeff Saturday, first time out against the Raiders, 10-point lead there in the fourth quarter, not able to close the deal. Colts Roundtable Live is brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook, proud sports betting partner of the Indianapolis Colts. When we come back, we'll close out the show. We'll take a look at the AFC playoff picture and how the Colts factor into that, and we'll also preview the upcoming game against the Steelers. Monday night football home game for the Colts coming up in week Number 12. We'll do that when we come back and close out the show, get you ready for Pacer basketball. You're listening to Colts Roundtable Live. You're on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
0: You're locked in to Colts Roundtable Live. A look at the latest action with the Indianapolis Colts. For more Colts talk, here's Matt Taylor.
1: Welcome back. Final time here on Colts Roundtable Live tonight, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan, brought to you by Citizens Energy Group. Proud to be the Colts conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips at CitizensEnergyGroup.com. Tonight's show is also brought to you by CBS4. You can get the weather update anytime with the CBS 4 Indy app. You can customize it so you only get the alerts that you want. Search CBS 4 Indy in the app store or on Google Play. Taking a look quickly at the AFC playoff picture. The Chiefs, if the playoffs started today, would be the top seed in the AFC. They lead the AFC West. They are 8-2. The Dolphins check in at number two at 7-3. The Titans are winning the AFC South with a record of 7-3. And, and the Ravens would be the four seed winners right now of the AFC North at 7-3. Three. Your three wildcard teams are the Bills at 7-3, Patriots at 6-4, and, and the Bengals at 6-4. The Colts currently hold the 10th place uh, spot in the AFC with a record of 4-6-1, and, and the Steelers are up next. They are 3-7. and seven. They rank 15 out of 16 teams in the AFC coming into this game on Monday Night Football and the Colts will host the Steelers for the first time since 2017 as the Colts are looking to break a seven-game losing skid to the Pittsburgh Steelers and uh, try to get back on the right track with six games to go. So closing arguments, Joe. Your final thoughts on this Colts-Eagles heartbreaker and a look ahead to prime time for the Colts against the Steelers uh, at Lucas Oil Stadium.
3: Again, it's therapeutic to talk about this. Just like as a player, you go in, you watch the film, find the corrections, and get better. But that 24-hour rule I talked about at the beginning of the show, it's got to be there. The Eagles game, as tough as it is to swallow, is done. you got to refocus yourself this Thanksgiving week. And you're on Monday Night Football. you got one of the most storied franchises in the NFL, the Steelers, coming to town. They're not having a great season, but trust me, a Mike Tomlin team will always be physical, always be tough. Their front four is a lot to handle. We'll have to be ready to get that win on Monday night.
1: No doubt about it, Rick. I know we're going to talk in depth on Wednesday on uh, Inside Football with the Blueprints, but give us the quick skinny on the Steelers. Obviously, having a disappointing season at three and seven, they're kind of like the Colts. No good defense, offense a little bit shaky.
4: Yeah, really, they've really, really struggled. It, it's hard for me, uh, you know, when I watch the Steelers, this I've not seen this Steeler team before. Uh, they're three and seven. Uh, they're 28th in terms of mm-hmm. points scored, 26th in terms of points given up. That's hard to come out of my mouth when you talk about the Steelers. But that's, in fact, who they are. You know, they've gone with Kenny Pickett, the rookie. You know, they're, they're they're looking at this as a growth season to see if they can develop him for the future. But they're taking it on the chin. The other thing, as Joe said, I think there's nothing better for the Colts to come off this disappointing loss and know they're going to play on a prime-time game. I think that's huge. I think that can be a psychological
1: lift, and it must be. No doubt about it. We'll see how it plays out. Gentlemen, thanks as always for the time tonight. we got to run. The Pacers are next. We've got you covered, though, on the Colts all week long, as we always do. Colts Daily Updates Tuesday and Wednesday this week before Thanksgiving. Colts official podcast will come out tomorrow. Inside football with Rick Venturi and the blueprints to beat the Steelers. That's going to drop on Wednesday. Check all of that out throughout the week. Colts.com, the Colts mobile app, and the Colts Audio Network. That's wherever you download your podcast. Pacer basketball is coming up next. They take on the Magic. This has been Colts Roundtable Live here on the home of the Colts. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.